Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Coming into tonight's game against the Houston Rockets, Cleveland was riding high off the nail-biting victory over the Brooklyn Nets over on Thursday night via an Isaac Okoro game winner. That shit's likely still going to live in the hearts of many Cavaliers fans and send shivers down the spines of all of our backs for the rest of the season. No lie. I know it will for me. That said, tonight was another opportunity for this team to inch this much closer to a playoff berth. And guess what, Cavs fans? They did just that. The Cavs sent the Rockets packing to the final score of 108-91 in a game that admittedly got a little dicey, got a little close in that third quarter, but was never really in doubt, thanks mostly to the combined efforts of the core four. Evan Mobley in particular, uh, fresh off our monstrous 26-point performance against the Nets, put up another stellar performance tonight. He had probably my favorite sequence of the night where he secured, I believe, three offensive rebounds in a single offensive possession and just decided to do it himself after watching multiple Cavaliers miss from three-point range and jammed it uh, down on a putback dunk. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since the 2017-2018 postseason, the Cleveland Cavaliers will play playoff basketball. You heard it right. Throw in the fact that it's the first true postseason berth without LeBron James on the roster since 1998. And it really, I mean, seriously, it really puts things into perspective in a major way. It's been that long. First off, I know some of y'all wasn't even alive uh, when that happened, which is crazy within itself. And as I near my 30th birthday, which comes up on the 28th, I just feel like I'm getting older, man. <laughs> and I really mean just just when I put, when I contextualize it in this damn uh, point that I am now pretty much older than most of the current Cavaliers roster, um, it just makes me feel really, really old. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm getting really, really old here, and I don't know what to say about that, other than the fact that um, this could and should be the first of many postseason runs with this current core mostly intact. Um, I mean, it's as simple as that. Jared Allen is locked up to a bargain bin deal. Darius Garland is locked up for the foreseeable future. We got Donovan Mitchell for at least the next two seasons, I believe. I could be wrong. Uh, and ain't no fucking way in hell we let Evan Mobley ever leave, like like ever. As long as you have those core four players, you're starting off in a really good position to contend uh, perennially. Then you have some additional possible long-term pieces in Okoro, Rubio, and Levert, who, in my opinion, should join the Cavs core four and being a lock for this roster for the next few seasons. Uh, those seven players make up most of the rotation as it stands right now. Jetty Osman is kind of like the resident wild card. We all know that. Love Jetty, but that's just the truth. Uh, and in in that eighth spot, and then if they choose to play nine, it'll likely be Lamar or Dean, uh, depending upon the matchups and how deep uh, J.B. Bickerstaff wants to go in, into the rotation. But I'm guessing that's the playoff rotation this season. I, I think that's what it's going to end up being, and I'm perfectly fine with that. That might change next year, but we ain't going to worry about that right now because we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. That's a pretty solid, that's a pretty damn good uh, playoff rotation right there. And that's what has me believing that the sky is the limit for the Cavs this year. Now, the one thing that is important to understand, the thing that we all need to be able to put into perspective is that um, 
opinions change. First off, it's okay to have a changed opinion based upon where your stance of the Cavs were uh, was prior to the start of the season, then at the midway point of the season, and then now. It's perfectly okay for your viewpoint to change. I, I see that way too often. People are like, oh, you got to stay locked into a particular opinion. If you said the Cavs were not going to be a playoff contender before the start of the season, or you said they're going to be a first round out, or you think they're going to the NBA Finals, this season, that's perfectly fine. Everybody has a different outlook on this team. But one thing that's important to remember is that opinions are fluid and that can change. And so in saying that, you know, for much of the season, I felt this team clearly, you know, without playoff experience, without a ton of postseason experience to lean on outside of Donovan Mitchell, uh, Darius Garland has not Darius Garland, um, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Ricky Rubio. These are all players who have postseason experience. And, you know, one of the big boons coming into the year was having Kevin Love on the roster, having that championship experience, having many finals runs under his belt, being a valuable playoff contributor himself. Uh, but coming into the season, I always felt that this team would probably go no further than the second round, just purely based upon that lack of experience and, and not having a ton to lean on. But somewhere during the middle part of the season, it dawned on me. That the NBA season, anything can happen, especially once the playoffs start, especially once the postseason starts. Anything can happen. You just never know. For one, it's already a game based off of matchups. And two, you just don't know if somebody's going to get injured, if somebody's going to catch fire at the right time. You just never freaking know what's going to happen and so that is what has me feeling like the sky is the limit for this team as they have clinched this playoff berth now and as they are getting multiple Cavaliers playing some of the best basketball as of late Evan Mobley is really putting the, his his foot on the gas and and accelerating and being aggressive out there and demanding the ball uh just absolutely things that you want to see heading down the line the the, the latter stretch of the season and and heading towards the postseason. You want to see a guy be able to elevate his play game, uh, his level of, level of play, for lack of a better word. And then you have, you know, some of your guys who we've been waiting on to really take off. And, you know, we keep bringing this name up. Karis LeVert didn't have the best game tonight. But, you know, again, <laughs> down the stretch here, making some, some very key plays, had another steal, another uh, fast break dunk. Uh, triple down the stretch, things like that, that has me feeling like he's going to be a valuable playoff contributor. But I say a lot to say, this team does not have a ceiling right now. Am I saying that the Cavs are going to go out there and put together a title run? No, I'm not saying that. And that's okay. What I am saying is don't rule it out. I am saying anything is possible. You just do not know. This is largely a game of matchups. And as of right now, and I could be mistaken on this, I know there's a lot going on right now in the, in the NBA world in terms of playoff seeding. But as of right now, I believe the Cavs are still listed in that four spot, which would give them the matchup against the New York Knicks as of right now. Now, I've been on record stating numerous times that I believe that this is going to be a tough matchup for Cleveland. But I don't care who it is in front of them, whether it be the Knicks, the Nets, the Heat, 
the the three teams the Cavs are most likely to see uh, in that fifth seed matchup. Cavs can beat any one of them in the seven game series. It all just comes down to how long that series could go. In my opinion, if I was to rank those in order of uh, least scariest to most scariest, I would probably go least scariest probably be the Brooklyn Nets. I've seen enough out of the Nets. They're a great story. They've been able to uh, still put together a, a pretty decent stretch. Sands, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant after those trades. It's honestly admirable. I love seeing stuff like that just because, you know, oftentimes we talk about how this league is so star driven. We talk about how stars make the NBA and, you know, you, you got to have a number, a set number of stars to be able to win consistently in today's league. But that's not always the case. If you get a good coach out there, if you get some players who are bought in, if you get just the right amount of luck you can still be moderately successful. Now, does that moderate success generally translate to the postseason? No. That's when you're going to likely be exposed because you're going to need a guy to kind of take you over the top. Cavs have a few of those players, in my opinion. The Nets do not. So I feel like this is not necessarily, if the Cavs had to face the Nets in a matchup heading into the playoffs, it's a done deal. Cavs are going to win. Cavs are taking that. Next, I would probably go the New York Knicks just because, you know, there is some playoffs. There is some playoff experience there. Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, uh, Tom Thibodeau. There's a bunch of guys on that roster who have been around and and done that. But I do believe that the Cavs could still manage to pull out a victory. Uh, I believe that would probably take about six games. No lie. I I think the Knicks are good enough as it stands to take two away from Cleveland. That's no disrespect, uh, you know, to the to the number one defense that we have. But, you know, again, New York still is a pretty good team in their own right. They have some playoff experience and they are coached very well. And then last but certainly not least is the Miami Heat. Now, uh, as Corey has said numerous times on this podcast, uh, Eric Spolster is not necessarily somebody you want to coach against in the playoffs because, because he's been there. I mean, has numerous titles under his belt, always seems to get the most out of his players. That's why they have this whole heat culture thing. Guys just seem to go to Miami and instantly blend in. And if they don't, they ship their ass right out and keep it pushing. Eric Spolster is an excellent head coach. That's one one thing they could say that they have a leg up on us in, and that's no slight to JB Biggerstaff, but clearly Eric Spolstra is the superior head coach. The Cavs, though, the Cavs have the benefit of having the better roster, in my opinion. Especially as top heavy as it is, the Cavs would be able to, in my opinion, outwork and out talent the Miami Heat, which is why I feel like. Uh, you know, just going to say this one more time. Doesn't matter what the matchup is in that fifth seed, whether it be the Knicks, Nets, or Heat, Cavs can beat any one of them in a seven-game series. Keyword there is can, not will. Cavs are in a unique situation here where they have so many players who just have never experienced the type of pressure. Yes, playoff, <laughs> playoff Jimmy Butler is crazy, and you never know. That's what I'm saying, man. It's the playoffs. You just do not know 
what you can what what you're going to be facing. You do not know what guy is going to catch fire. You just don't know who is going to come ready to play. And that's why I say the Caps can win a series against each one of these teams and not necessarily will. Uh, I continue to maintain that. Where the Caps' real, I believe, tests are going to be seen is in that second round, depending upon the payoff bracket that they're going to be uh, matched up with, whether that be the Milwaukee Bucks or the, uh, I believe, the Boston Celtics. Uh, I don't know. The playoff seeding can get kind of weird depending upon whether the Cavs finish in three or, at three or four. But that second round is where the Cavs are really going to face their true test, in my opinion, because we've seen how much trouble that the uh, th- that some of these higher tier teams in the East can present for the Cavs, the Bucks, and yes, we have beaten the Bucks this season. It's you know it's it's okay to state that we've beaten the the Seventy Sixers as well. But does that necessarily mean that we're on par with them? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that we've won regular season games against them. They are scary in their own right. The Milwaukee Bucks, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, not necessarily a guy that you want to see in the postseason. Joel Embiid, you know, if the Cavs have to see him down the stretch, we already know what the book is there. I, I absolutely hate playing the Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia 76ers just because it's – it's just going to be foul, foul, foul. That's that. That's kind of how the nature of the beast is when you're looking at some of these matchups here. Uh, Cavs are probably not going to get the benefit of the whistle <laughs> in those games. Uh, sad to say, but that's just the that's just the truth. But you know, the second round, like I said, that's where you're really going to run into some of the some of the real testaments to how the Cavs are going to be able to uh, traverse things just because, yes, 76ers are very annoying. Um, second round is where you're really going to find out what the Cavs are made of. That first round, it's going to be great to get some playoff experience under these guys' belts. It's going to be able to, it's going to be a learning experience for a lot of them. But that second round is where the action really starts. And that's where you're really going to see whether or not the Cavs are cut out and made for a potential title run this season or next. If they're able to get past the second round, all bets are off. I'll just put it that way. If they can dispatch whoever they face in that second round, the Cavs can win the title this year. Doesn't mean they will? Absolutely not. It just means that if they're able to, you know, win win the first two rounds, anything can happen. Anything. And uh I, I do not say that lightly. Yeah, um I kind of feel like that's that's the case. I think most people would. And I think uh, that's a perfectly valid statement. If you if you would have returned a player like Colin Sexton, if you still had Larry Markkinen on the roster and you add uh, Ochai Abaji to the mix in that, absolutely. I feel like the Cavs probably, uh, probably end up in maybe a lower seed, but would still be able to take – a first round series. And I think that would have been a great measuring stick for them. I think that would be considered a successful season. I know adding Mitchell kind of, you know, threw a wrench in, in regards to just exactly what the timeline is here and what the expectations are here in regards to uh, the, the postseason. But I still am of the mindset that, you know, championship was never truly the expectation this season. Uh, but the playoffs were, you know, making the postseason, um, 
um, being able to get out of round one. I think that was a realistic expectation this season. I'll put it that way. I think that was the the most realistic expectation that you saw out of most Cavs fans. But just like opinions, just like I started off the episode by saying, opinions and expectations during the course of a season are fluid and they can change. As you see a, a team ascending at the right time, as you see them just gelling when when the time is most opportune for them and when let's just you know call a spade a spade here when they're able to take advantage of others you know um others bad luck that's when expectations start to shift and so i think that now you know seeing what you see with the net rating that the Cavs have and then you know the the level of defense that they play the the offensive production from a lot of these guys mitchell and mobley in particular Man, I don't think it's I don't think it's an unfair expectation to expect this team to to really give a a, a tough series to whoever they face in the second round to steal at least one to two games in that second round. I think that's a very, very respectable expectation up to this point. And I think if you're going past that, I'm not going to call you delusional because, like I said, anything is possible. But what I will say is you might be expecting too much if if you are expecting them to go past the second round at this point. Now, with that being the case, you know, they they still have some things that they have to figure out. That third quarter run uh, that Houston had, and, you know, we all know that basketball is a game of runs. There's still some things to figure out here because for most of the night, the bench, as has been the case for most of the season, kind of struggled. I mean, Jetty Osmond in particular was two of 10 from the field, just five points on the night, uh, one of six and three point range. And we know, again, I mean, it really doesn't need to be said, but I'll say it. That's the case with Jetty Osmond. He's just inconsistent as fuck. You have Karis LeVert, who played 31 big minutes out there. You guys know I'm a huge fan of, but. uh yes i i completely agree with that clinching is sweet but they may be the three c by the middle of the next week which would put them in a position as it currently stands and i'm assuming if the Cavs move up to three you're gonna see some shuffling here in that six seeded but if uh if they end up with the the third seed, they're going to end up playing as of right now, the Brooklyn Nets, which y'all know, I just said, I feel like Cavs take them out with not with not necessarily with relative ease, but uh, I think they would be an easier opponent than the Knicks or the heat. Just my opinion. Um, LA Brodish. Yes. The Knicks actually do make me somewhat nervous just because I feel Julius Randle's level of play is kind of always heightened whenever he does play play against us but the one thing that we can all agree on here i think is that you know evan mobley in some of those matchups has been a little bit passive um that is no longer the case anymore if he plays like he has been the next the the last few games you know just being an ultra aggressive demanding the basketball continuing to play is uh ultra efficient defense no there are they they become less significantly less scary to me but julius randall man i mean just saw him drop a 50 point game the other day and he's he's had a very very good uh very good season which is why some people have them on their yeah I think nba.com even has the, him on their top 10 mvp uh contender list but and I don't think Jalen Brunson's on there which 
honestly, in my opinion, he should be. But I mean, we're talking about towards the 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 um, the eight, nine, ten range in that regard. But uh, Jalen Brunson is a little bit more terrifying in the sense that you just you know he can go off on you, and he ha- he does have that postseason experience. But it is one of those things where, you know, collectively, I feel like the Cavs could do enough to turn the water off. Um, I'm assuming that Isaac Okoro would probably be the uh, withdraw that defensive assignment. And I have complete faith in Isaac Okoro uh, to I don't think you're going to necessarily stop Jalen Brunson, but I do think they can do enough to contain him. Um, the combination of um, Isaac Okoro. Or, you know, when they throw Karis LeVert out there, he'll probably draw that defensive assignment, which would be perfectly fine with me. Uh, and then just a comment on here on TuneIn uh, tune Sports 1. Yeah, Cavs haven't made the playoffs without LeBron since 1998. <laughs> uh, and like I started this off by saying, some of you were probably not even alive. Um, you know, when you listen back to this, wherever you stream it at, some of you probably were not even alive when, when that occurred. And that's just... I know some people get kind of annoyed when you when you kind of point out the fact that uh, LeBron, you know, he was on the roster in between that point in time and and now, you know, multiple playoff runs and multiple finals runs. But it's worth pointing out. I mean, it's it's still relevant in my opinion. Have not made the postseason without LeBron on the roster since '98. That's a long time, and have not been to the postseason period since the 2017-2018 postseason, which is now going on what five six years so uh my math could be off on that (laughs) uh but that's just a a wonderful thing a wonderful thing to see but uh, as i was saying you know the Cavs do have some things that they need to clean up you saw that against houston tonight uh the bench play is probably what's going to make or break the Cavs in the playoffs that's just my estimation right now. I think you're going to get a good level of production out of the core four. Whatever you can get from Isaac Okoro, it's just gravy. Um, you know, and we'll talk about Isaac here in a minute. He did exit tonight, I guess, with some left knee soreness. Um, I have not checked for an update on that. If any of you guys know on that, I'd love to hear in the comments below. But that is something I'm assuming he just needs some rest. Um, he's played and I think I think he's appeared in every game this season. Pretty uh pretty impressive feat but yeah you can't have any more third quarter meltdowns because the you know whoever they draw in the playoffs will uh make them pay for it but you you absolutely have to get more production out of your bench um tonight i believe they had 19 uh, 22 total points if you want to include uh mamadi diakite's you know three points that it, that really came out of the rotation, but and at the end of the game, but yeah, that's just not a ton of produ- not a ton of production. Karasavert had a pretty decent night. He uh, again had a uh, another pretty important defensive play, another important defensive sequence where he stole the ball and then had a uh, a layup on the other end, but still just finished with ten points on four of eight shooting. Fifty uh, percent from the field is not terrible, so I'm not going to really shit on Karis for that. I thought it was a pretty productive game. Um, as a standalone reserve, but the rest of the bench was not necessarily all that productive. Um, Jetty again, two of 10 from the field. You got to get more, uh, you know, from him. 
if you want to feel like you're going to be able to succeed in, succeed in the postseason. Ricky Rubio in 16 minutes of play, two points, two assists, 0-4 from the field. Um, I, I, it's kind of hit and miss when you're talking about Ricky Rubio at this point in time because there are some nights where it appears that Ricky is like all the way back, and then there are others where you're like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Ricky is like 100%, and I – I don't know. Maybe it's somewhere in between, but it's not, it's never been since he's come back. I'll put it this way. It's not consistent. You don't know which version of Ricky Rubio you're going to get. And I don't know if that's because he's not necessarily getting the same type of opportunities that he was afforded last season in regards to ball handling, because you do have such a brevity of, um, you have such a good amount of ball handlers on the roster and Darius and Donovan and Karis and and Ricky, you just have so many more mouths to feed in in that sense and not enough of the basketball to go around. So I don't know if Ricky's kind of suffering from that. I don't know if it's still the, the the injury still kind of got him shaking off some rust. I don't know what it is, but you're, it's kind of hit and miss with Ricky and just, same thing, like Ellie Brodus says down here with Jetty. You just don't know uh, whether you're going to get Jekyll or whether you're going to get Hyde on the night. And while I don't necessarily consider Ricky Rubio a Jekyll or a Hyde, um, it, it's certainly a wild card. Um, at least that's what it seems like in this this point in time. I don't know where JB is going to head with the rotation come the postseason. I'm kind of feeling like it's going to be the starting five, uh, and then you're going to have Karras as your first guy off the bench. You'll likely have Ricky Rubio and then uh, Jetty Osmond right now. I think if you're going to go with an eight-man rotation in the postseason, that's probably it right there. Uh, Your ninth man is probably going to be a Lamar Stevens or (laughs) – yes, Dean Wade. I don't know. I don't think Dean Wade actually uh, suited up tonight, but Dean Wade or Lamar Stevens is going to be that ninth man. Uh, I think that's that's really what it boils down to right now. But that is your playoff rotation. The starting five, Karis LeVert, Ricky Rubio, Jody Osman. Those are your probably most reliable players at this point in time. And I, I use the word light. I use the word uh, reliable very lightly for those bench players outside of Karis as of right now, who seems to be kind of peaking at the right time. But if the Cavs can get solid production out of them, solid enough, they'll have, they'll have a pretty, pretty good uh, postseason run here. And I don't know. It's really going to come down to just that at this point in time. If the Cavs can get good enough play out of their bench, the sky's the limit for them. They'll be able to contend uh, for the next few seasons. They have these guys locked up. They have some additions that they're going to need to be able to make in the postseason. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys, though. You know, although I'm not a cap guy, I've kind of looked at this situation. It, it's not looking great. <laughs> um, the, being able to add a a contributor in the postseason without some wizardry from Cole Yaldman. It's not looking great um, as of right now. 
I, I don't know what they're going to be able to do. I don't know who they're going to be able to bring in. I'm assuming they'll have the MLE to work with, but there's not a ton of movement that they're going to be able to do uh, over these next couple of seasons, or at least this this offseason, just because they don't have a lot of cap to work with. It's one of the big reasons why I think they held on to Karis LeVert, just because they feel like they'll be able to, well, one, they'll be able to go over the cap to re-sign him. And two, he is, you know, he has been doing the little things all season. The shot just wasn't falling. I think that's one of the biggest reasons. And one of the reasons that people are often probably forgetting about right now is the fact that one of the reasons why they kept him is because they can go over the cap to resign him. And that's very important when you're talking about maintaining continuity. Um, Again, you have the core four mostly locked up, but being able to add uh, Valuable contributors off the bench is going to is going to be one of the things that the Cavs are going to have a bit of a tougher time with just because they don't have a lot to work with in regards to the cap space and they don't have a lot of assets right now, thanks to that missile trade to go out there and, and make a big swing. But that's OK, because I am of the mindset that most of the development, most of the growth um, is going to come internally. You're going to see probably a yet another jump from Evan Mobley next season. Um, you're going to see a, in my opinion, another step for Isaac Okoro, which we're all hoping, you know, that he still is able to develop into that three and D player, which I already think he is, but volume suggests kind of otherwise right now, or at least does not support the argument that he is a true three and D player. Um, Donovan Mitchell quiet as his kept has had probably the best season that he's ever had <laughs> uh he took another leap this season Darius Garland has been phenomenal this season um although yeah when you're talking about guys who panic uh we don't talk about the coaches um I think it's possible that JB could experience a, a level of panicking, but it's highly, to me, it's going to be highly dependent upon the matchup. That's why I think a lot of people don't want to see Eric Spolstra coach against uh, JB Bickerstaff in the playoff series, just because you might see him get exposed a little better. You might see Eric kind of play and exploit some of JB's weaknesses, which we all know um, have been calling plays out of timeouts, timeouts themselves, sometimes playoff, well, not necessarily playoff rotations, but rotations in particular. These are all things that people have complained about, about JB Bickerstaff and any coach worth their salt is going to look to kind of exploit that come the postseason. Hope that's not the case, uh, but uh, it's certainly possible in regards to panicking. And, you know, I think what we all need to also understand is that JB is still, you know, he's still learning. He he does have experience prior to coming to Cleveland, you know, with Memphis and Houston. But I mean, this has been his most consistent, uh, the 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 biggest period of consistency that he's ever seen in his career. So it is still going to be a learning experience for him. So I think we gotta kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt. The Cavs go out there and get swept in the first round. Yeah, that that's when you can look at this and say, you know what. Thank you for your time, JB. Thank you for your services. Uh, but I highly doubt. I think a lot would have to go wrong in order for the Cavs to get swept or you know go out in a gentleman's sweep. And if that does happen, uh, <laughs> you're probably going to see the pitchforks come out. 
no lie. I hope that doesn't happen, but it's always possible. I don't think it will. Uh, but yeah, I think that is what's going to end up probably cementing his job, at least for the next season or so, if he's able to have a good showing in the playoffs. And for all those people who wanted JB fired this year, I really hope you're taking stock of what he's been able to do this season. And yes, obviously the players are the ones who have to go out there and <laughs> have to go out there and and play. You know, you can't put that shit all on JB. If the Cavs end up losing a game uh, here and there in the postseason, um, you can't put it solely on JB because JB can only do so much. The players do have to go out there and play, you know. And that's kind of been my thing with with this, you know, fan base getting aggravated and wanting him to be ousted. Uh, I just want you guys to think about that. You know, there's only so much a coach can do. I mean, this is literally the first time this team has been in the playoffs in six years or so. And I think you can't, you, you can't just throw that away. That's an accomplishment that JB, that's a feather in his cap now. Uh, to answer your question, it is certainly possible that JB Bickerstaff is a bridge coach. Um, I'm not saying that he definitively is because that would be me saying that JB Bickerstaff is the guy to set up the 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 two the true guy to get them over the edge a la a Mark Jackson Steve Kerr situation. Um do I think that's the case? Not necessarily, but it's certainly possible. And I definitely think if they end up going out in the first round in a short amount of games, you're going to see those takes flying around left and right. You're going to see people suggesting yeah, you're more of a Mark Davis than a Steve Kerr or, you know, you had a nice run, but you had a nice roster and that's the reason why you won. You know, shit like that. Those types of takes will fly around like wildfire. <laughs> they will spread if that ends up being the case. But no, um, I think it's kind of too early to comment on that. I certainly hope that that is not the case because I like J.B. He's a player's coach, seems to have a really good rapport with players on the roster. He, he seemed to be able to get the message through defensively. Um, you can't put all that on the players. You know, some of that is the coaching. You, you cannot necessarily say to yourself, oh, the Cavs have won in spite of J.B. Bakersaf because that's just not the case. You know, they it's a collective effort. <laughs> yes. Uh, most fan bases do complain about their head coach. Uh, you know, it's just the nature of the beasts. And I'm sure that when JB signed on for this job, he knew that, you know, this would have not necessarily would eventually be a possibility, but could be a possibility if the Cavs actually started to win, that there would be real expectations and that, you know, that at the sign of anything going wrong, the, the, the coach is usually the one that's always blamed first. And uh, that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, that's that's coaching in not just the NBA, but all sports, um, you know, whether professional or not. The coach is usually going to get the brunt of the blame when things go wrong. I mean, they they almost never get all of the glory when things go right. <laughs> it's always the players. Um, they have to they, they really have to stick out and, and being able to do something or have a continued period of success in order to really garner that. Uh, that level of attention. And I think that's probably something that's not talked about enough as well. Um, and, in, in, in regards to respect, but I think JB is well on his way to getting there. Um, again, to 
uh, L.A. Brodus's question down here. I just I hope that he's not a casualty. Uh, you know, if they do end up going out in the first round this year, but I don't think that'll happen. I think the Cavs, like I've said um, a million times now on this episode, I think that they'll be able to beat whoever they match up with, whether that be in the at the three spot or the four spot. Doesn't matter if it's the next, the the Nets, the Knicks, or the Heat. I think the Cavs are going to win any one of those series. And again, that second round is where you're going to see the Cavs face their first true test and establishing whether or not they can take that leap this year. If they win in the second round, all bets are off. They can beat anybody, at least in the Eastern conference. And I will close out by saying just that the sky is the limit for this team. I am so damn happy that they clinched the playoff berth. And I am uh, honestly, I'm way more excited than I've ever been as a Cavs man in, in a very long time. And that includes some of the LeBron finals runs just because they've been able to do it uh, without him. <laughs> and, you know, for so long, so many people, you know, non Cleveland fans have said and let, let uh, leave their lips that, you know, you, you guys would not have any success there uh, without LeBron, <laughs> you know, LeBron is the only reason why you guys have a championship, you know, stupid shit like that. But I this this right here makes me just very, very happy. It makes me even happier than last season just because we're in the playoffs. We're not in the play-in. We have clinched a playoff berth, and it feels so very uh, surreal. I mean, it, it feels almost euphoric, and I'm like, we still have regular season games to play. And I'm just sitting here like, well... Uh, I suppose we could still move into the three seed, but when are we going to start resting players? Um, because I think it's it's pretty safe to assume that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's a pretty good point. Um, it does kind of feel like we're dreaming, man. I mean, it just it it feels surreal, and maybe that's a bit of an overreaction, you know, because we're it, we're just talking about the first round of the playoffs here. It's not like we just. Uh, made the conference championship series or something like that but um it just it just feels good to know that uh you know regardless of whether the Cavs lose their next i think what is it six or seven games they have left on the regular season um it feels good knowing that they could lose all six of those (laughs) all six or seven of those and still make the playoffs that's a good feeling (laughs) um hopefully that doesn't happen obviously, but uh, it's good knowing and I'll I'll go to sleep well knowing that that's the case. That said, like I always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can at his Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, take a screenshot of that review and send it to itscavalier53 at gmail.com and I'll send you an invite. That said, thanks for tuning in, guys, and have a good night. Go Cavs.